Shamash Aladina is a mindfulness and ACT trainer and also the author of Mindfulness for Dummies. ACT stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy and in this episode of the podcast, Shamash shares some of the principles of ACT and how they can help us cultivate more resilience and self-compassion in our lives. In summary, he puts it that the key principles of ACT are be present, open up, do what matters. By following these principles, we'll be more able to make conscious choices and overcome any challenges we face because of them. Most of the time, there are no wrong or right choices. There are just choices and repercussions. If we believe that we're able to deal with any repercussions, then it becomes much easier to make choices. It's when we find ourselves unable to make those choices that we get stuck. We also talked to Shamash about how pain and purpose are two sides of the same coin and how doing something meaningful usually means that it's also going to be a little challenging. We talk about how achieving goals and living our values affect our sense of happiness and meaning as well as the pressure we put ourselves under to always be happy, particularly in our happy startup community. Being happy all the time isn't really the point, particularly if we criticise ourselves for not being so. If you're an entrepreneur or you're starting a new project or venture and you're wondering if you'll ever be able to overcome the difficulties and challenges that will inevitably come your way, then I recommend you listen to this episode. Because there are a few nuggets of wisdom that Shamash will share with you that will help you cultivate the resilience and resourcefulness you need. Enjoy. I'm really much into mindfulness. Uh, I've, I first learned mindfulness about 24 years ago when, uh, yeah, a while ago. And for the last 10 or 11 years, I've been teaching mindfulness full time. And in particular, training mindfulness teachers and training uh, in a thing called ACT, which is simple, similar to mindfulness, which I'll talk about, acceptance and commitment therapy. And I've written some books on it and I absolutely love it. So I'm so grateful that I can share what I'm really passionate about with others. And I love building communities. That's why I love hanging out with the, with the happy startup community. And I've learned from uh, Lawrence and Carlos and others about ways to nurture community. And what I've been doing a lot during the pandemic is cultivating a community for, for people who just want to practice mindfulness every day and uh, a newer one for mindfulness teachers. And that's been really uh, meaningful to do that. So one of the angles I was looking at this from Given we're called the Happy Startup School, and a lot of people who join our community, who do our programs, they are people trying to, they're going through a process of uh, pivoting what they do and how they do things. So they're either starting a new business or trying to redefine their work or reorient their business. And that inc- involves a lot of trying to work out what progress means and what success means and whether you're doing enough. And, and there's lots to do. Mm-hmm. As maybe starting off with this idea of, being a leader and the pressures we put ourselves under in order to achieve what we need to achieve. That's interesting. You talked about it's called happy startups. It's about happiness and well-being, and then you segued into the leadership. And I think that's a really interesting place to start because we see, if you consciously look at things like just everyday advertising, you know, a lot of the adverts mention the word happiness. And for for many of us, the word happiness means feeling good. And what I've realized over the years is that we all put a little pressure on ourselves nowadays to be happy and be happy in the sense of feel happy. 
And interestingly, I learned uh, recently that the definition of happiness as meaning feeling good is about 100 years old. And previous to that, it was more about doing good. It was more about meaning and values. It wasn't really focused on feelings at all. And uh, this thinking that we should be feeling happy more often or we should be feeling happy as in feeling good more and more, an act is called like the feel-good agenda. And rather than it leading uh, us to to feeling more happy, in fact, sometimes it can have the opposite effect because we get too fixated on it. So going along with your example of leaders here, you know, entrepreneurs, founders and stuff listening to this, and on the one hand, they want to do a really meaningful startup or a really meaningful business. And at the same time, when you're doing something that's meaningful, feeling happy or feeling that, that sense of feeling good is not going to come up there very often because you're doing something challenging, you're doing something difficult, and it will feel amazing when it works. If you've got this dream about what you want to achieve and you get there, yes, in that moment and for a little time, it will feel good, but it's definitely going to have difficult and uncomfortable feelings along that pathway mm. so if we think happiness is feeling good and part of the happy startup community and so there may be this sense of yeah i want to feel happier i want to feel good as i'm creating the startup and then you don't get that then there could be this feeling like i'm doing something wrong maybe i need to do this workshop this event to try and fix me because of there's something wrong with me I'm, I'm broken because of i can see people seem quite cheerful and happy all the time and they're doing these happy startups and it looks really good and i'm not getting there i'm not achieving that so there's something going wrong but what this mindfulness and act is saying is actually it's the opposite when we do something meaningful there's going to be pain along the journey uh this beautiful quote we hurt where we care or another one which is pain and purpose are two sides of the same coin. A happy startup, and I think you, you guys teach this so well, it, it's about a purpose-driven startup. It's about a meaningful startup. It's about doing things that are meaningful for you, not even just the startup, in your home life, in, in your everyday life, in the way you connect with each other. You connect it to values and meaning and purpose. And so that is always going to create some pain and emotional pain and maybe physical pain, all sorts of different pains along the journey. But that pain... Rather than that being a sign that you're going wrong, unbelievably, it's a sign you're going in the right direction because you're going towards something that matters. For example, you may feel uncomfortable right now or nervous or something about this talk that I'm doing and making sure it goes right and, the, and it goes well for the community. That's a really good sign. That means you care about this community. You care about this going well. I care about it. You know, I was feeling a little bit anxious before this and thinking about making sure that I say the right things and I, I managed to include all these different elements correctly because I care about it. If I really didn't care about it, I'd be like, oh, whatever. We'll just have a chat. We'll have a laugh and whatever happens, happens. And maybe nobody will get anything about it. I don't care. Hmm. So this is maybe the first step that we want to share about self-compassion is that it's not about trying to feel good all the time, but there is going to be, you know, we're going to feel uncomfortable, we're going to feel pain, uh, we're going to have these difficult feelings on that journey and seeing them as milestones or posts that, hey, this is hurting because I care about it or this pain here because there's purpose behind it. And that's something that's taken me ages to actually realise, but it's really made a, a, a big difference in my life in the way, way I see things in my work and in my personal life as well. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. I think we now need to rename the business, Lawrence, to the Painful Startup School. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty we, sure. We got all wrong. 
Keith Klomp had some words to that effect, didn't he, a few years ago? Which, you know, Keith's message is very similar to yours, which is there is no purpose without pain. And he actually made a distinction between meaning and purpose. He thought meaning was much more individual, much more self-centered rather than purpose, which is much more collective, a collective uh, experience. I wanted to just back up a bit this whole idea of, you know, it hurts where you care and there's mm. purpose and pain. So there's there's a potential, and I'm going to say, sometimes you can care too much and maybe care too much about the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this I just there's this fine tightrope, I think, of, oh, on one hand, yes, if it's going to be meaningful, there's going to be some effort, struggle, pain along the way. Mm-hmm. But there's also some people that feel like unless there is pain, it's not worth doing. And so they gravitate to things that are really hard all the time. Yeah. And they feel like, actually... If it's easy, it's not worth doing. And while I admit, you know, what you're saying, and I don't want to derail us too many, too much from what you're talking about in terms of act and this kind of things you want to say, but I was of the belief for a long time, unless I struggled, unless it was effortful, unless it was, it wasn't worth doing mm. because mm. you know that makes it meaningful. Mm. But at the same time, I think you can take that too far and say life has to be struggle. It always has to be struggle. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to actually sometimes it can be very effortless and impactful. Yeah, and that's a really nice insight. And uh, ACT is underlined by the sentence or the concept of psychological flexibility. So it's about mm. flexibility. It's not about creating rules. And what it sounds like maybe was for you and for others and perhaps even for myself is we create these rules. If it's not hard, it's not worth doing. So that's just a, a bunch of words. You've created it into a sentence and it becomes a rule. And if we ha- don't have that sense of flexibility about that rule, then you could apply it to a situation which could be life-threatening for you or for someone else, but you keep following that rule. In fact, I worked with one entrepreneur where he, to be more mindful, he, he wanted to challenge himself more and more involving a, a sport which would became more and more dangerous to the point that he actually almost died. He became mm-hmm. really close to death. And then he thought, what's going on? Am I doing something wrong here? And then he'd read my book, Mindfulness for Dummies. And I said, have you tried any of the actual meditations? And he hadn't, or the mindful exercises. And so, you know, he discovered another way of accessing that sense of presence. Even the the, the stuff that I'm going to be sharing today, like, you know, pain and purpose go together or where we hurt, where we care, or, or any of the other concepts that you're sharing, if it becomes a rule, then there's inflexibility rather than flexibility there. And then... That's a big problem because of life is always changing and moving and the challenges are changing and what we need to do and what's meaningful for us is also changing. So we need to be able to adapt to the situation. And I just love that idea of flexibility, mental Mm. flexibility, physical flexibility and flexibly moving through life. I think it's just, it's a beautiful concept and uh, something to keep in mind. And maybe one of the thing, one simple thing to keep in mind with with, with compassion and self-compassion and cultivating resilience is, we could ask ourselves, how can I be more flexible in this situation? I like the, the fact that you've come up, well, you, you brought up the idea of flexibility. Because one of the things we've realized, building any kind of, particularly an innovative business, it doesn't always go to plan. Never goes to plan, <laughs> does it? If it goes to plan, then you're, I don't know, some kind of psychopath or just <laughs> lucky fool. <laughs> well, I seem to remember seeing a talk years ago from the founder of Do Something Different. They, they actually focus on behavior change. It was an app I think they created and they talked about, I think their book was called Flex, about how, you know, most most successful entrepreneurs tend to be people who have the most behavioral flexibility. So actually, 
you know, rather than walking through life with a hammer for every situation, they're able to use a whole Swiss army knife of, of tools to be able to adapt to the situation mm. that's required, which is probably why we all get bored quite quickly as well, because we don't like just doing one thing. But when you were talking about we hurt, we care, thing makes me think of, I see a lot of people who give up quite easily early on. And I always say to them, do you care enough in terms of not saying it's a bad thing if they don't, but it's a good filter. I think when things get hard, if they don't pursue it, it's not that they have to pursue it. It's more the fact of, is that level of desire there or care or, or whatever it is that yeah. thing pulling them forward is that there and i suppose the people i've seen push through it for example victoria who's on our who's been on one of our programs she won an award yesterday and got some funding for her social enterprise and she's an amazing change maker but she's been through a lot she's been physically ill as a result of an injury she, uh, she had as well as mentally it's been tough for her to push through this last couple of years but she's showed a lot of resilience through that and and it's not been easy but I guess the rewards are coming her way as a result of that. And she'd be a good example of someone who's, yeah, in spite of it being difficult, in spite of there being challenges, has seen the bigger picture, I guess. In the actor model and also in psychology as a whole, what gives us drive and gives us motivation and a deep sense of resilience and ability to bounce back is what's meaningful for us. And a business could be a meaningful one or a project could be, but actually they are meaningful but they are goals along the journey then they're, they're not really the values behind it and uh, one thing that we often can get confused with is achieving goals and living our values and living our values is a direction that we have if being kind is your value value then and think of it as a word ending in ly an adverb it's something you do so you can do things kindly curiously creatively fairly so things that end in an L-Y. So let's say if doing things kindly is your thing and you've got some startup or some business or project that's spreading that. So that project and the success of that project, for it to be meaningful, what we want to try and do is activate that value in our actions every day. So it's mm. not like the kindness will come once I've done this six-month project, but every day, how can I behave kindly? How can I interact with my staff kindly? And so then it doesn't matter so much whether that project is achieved or not, because of if you have a project and you're not clear about the values, this has happened to me and I'm sure to many people, mm. is that this is, you have this massive feeling of emptiness at the end. You achieve it and you, you get this little buzz of, yeah, that's great. But then, all right, now what? And I still don't feel that confident. I don't, I still feel like, you know, an imposter having achieved this project or this startup mm. or whatever it is. But if... The practice that you engage in is every day, how can I do things kindly or how, whatever it is, maybe creativity for you. So how can I do my, my exercise in the morning creatively? How can I work on today's meeting and, and engage creatively in what I'm doing? Then there'll be this feeling, you, your heart will open every day of those six months as you go to it. And then if, it's, if you get that amazing success or that, that huge amount of money, that's great. And that will just be more fuel for you to continue doing that project. But even if it all collapses and something happens, you're not left with completely nothing because you know that every day of that six-month six journey, you are, as best you can, on the days that you remembered, you're activating that value and you can continue to it. So you can think of it like a compass. You're going west. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got west now. I've achieved west. You can't, you can't get to west. It's a <laughs> continuous journey that you go on. But along, the, along that journey, you'll, go, you'll, you'll meet different things and, and you'll see different things. And part of the practice is to continuously reflect on what, what your values are. And it changes uh, and people get a bit worried. Like, I'm not too sure. Like, one day I'll work out what my values are or one day I'll find out what's meaningful. Experiment with it. 
Try being kind every day and see how that goes. Try being creative every day. Try being more curious every day. Try it for a week or two and see if it kind of lights something up within you or you lose track of time when you're acting in that way. The thing that really stood out for me there was turn your values into L-Y words. Yeah. Because it feels like you infuse any action with what's important to you. And that speaks to me in terms of the alignment, firstly, just feeling like, okay, this is actually aligned with who I am. So if I'm happy, being happy, and I know we said happiness is, there's a feeling and then there's what it means, but doing things for you with joy, if joy is important to me, then everything I do needs to be done joyfully. Because if it's done joyfully, then it's aligned with, with who I am. And then the, the other aspect that sprang up for me is it doesn't matter whether it ends, you know, I get the goal or the, the business is successful. The quality of the experience is joyful. And so it's going to mm-hmm. be great. Otherwise, or it's, it's going to exactly. be, it will be happy for me because it's, <laughs> it's infused with that thing. But then I also think whatever you then do, what, the quality of the things that you create, the essence of anything you make, will then be infused by those values. And so we talk about in our programs, live them, don't laminate them. The light bulb in my head is like, what does that mean to live them, no laminate them? You turn them from nouns to L-Y words, to what do you call them, adverbs? Adverbs, yeah, yeah. So it's like, how can you adverb your values so that everything (laughs) you do... (laughs) Adverb your life. You were a teacher, Shamash. I feel like I'm in an English lesson now. Adverbs for life, not just for Christmas. So yeah, I, I love that. At least it uh, feels like a way of thinking about this. And there's, it's interesting as well that you talk about how our values shift and change. I'm wondering, before we go into a bit more, because I also want to talk to you about ACT and for people who mm. don't know what ACT is, maybe mm. giving us a bit more detail around that. But this, do you believe that at some point you settle on some very s- specific values or is it always shifting? No, they may not shift. You may have uh, a set of one or two or three values and you just... And and it just happens that they they stay solid and the same for, for years and years. And part of what values are about is they don't really change daily or weekly or monthly. They do stay for quite long. But you may have some ex- experience or some insight, and then you suddenly have a bit of a shift of values. Like for myself, I was you know I was really into mindfulness, and then I had an experience where I was really worn out and felt really exhausted and really tired. And I discovered about the concept of kindfulness. And then actually being kind to myself and kind to others became more and more important for me. So there was a value shift there. So it just varies from person to person. Before we were talking about flexibility and then the opposite to me was rigidity. You know, it was like, mm. And when Lawrence was saying, do you really care enough? The other word that sprang to mind is, are you committed to this? Is this something you want to make happen? Yeah. Or because you quit early, do you really want that to happen? Yeah. What, what is the level of commitment you have to that? And so there's a commitment to a goal. There's a commitment to a way of living in terms of your values. Mm-hmm. And then there's a flexibility around, okay, if I can't, you know, if this business doesn't work or this idea doesn't work, how can I then pivot change in order to then get towards something? And I feel that getting towards something is just living more and more to those values that you're committed to. Actually, for both of you, you're working on on making websites for people. And then maybe there was a shift of value for you or you weren't doing things aligned with your values before. And then you realize, hang on a minute, helping people to, to do meaningful startups and happy startups is more important. 
And so then your your business shifted. But maybe your values shifted, or did you always have those values underneath? I'm wondering. Actually, I think it's more who we were, who we wanted to work with more as well. So I don't know if our values changed that much. I think our needs changed in terms of what we wanted from work and the business. But I think of there was definitely a values mismatch with some projects and clients that we maybe felt there was just a different view of how we should approach the project. And so that was a source of frustration for me, particularly around that time. There was just a, it was like we were talking a different language at times and I could feel like we were on a different path hmm. and they just had a, it was like someone, they were going east, we were going west to your analogy. And yeah, it's just two different views of how a business should work. So I think that was probably more us living our values out loud, really, I would say. Like you said, daily through our content, through our events and things, trying to have a beacon for other people to say, come find us because this is what we believe in. And uh, just one thing that comes to mind is that you were fortunate enough that you could change. You could say that I don't want to work with this company. I'm going to work with this one because it's more values aligned. But there could be a situation where you weren't able to do that. And mm. then all you could do is live your values and they continue to you know, act on their values. But you can still think, do things kindly or curiously or creatively and they may shut you down or they may uh, act against that, but you could still act on. And that's the beauty of, of this mm. is that you can still walk creatively to your workplace or mm. behave kindly with your, with your loved ones, even though you may not be able to do it at work. So there's never a situation where you cannot at least live those values. Mm. And the ultimate example of this coming to mind is that, I don't know if you read that book, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, mm. when he's you know, in a concentration camp. And yet he discovered that sticking to meaning and purpose is what helped give him the resilience to get through it, as well as the other people in there. So even in the darkest of situations, digging in deep uh, and living our own true intrinsic values gives us a tremendous amount of resilience. It's interesting that you talk about the intrinsic values, because mm. that's, I was going to disagree a little bit with Lawrence in terms of how that went for me anyway, because I think my values have shifted over that time. And the, the thing that sprang to mind, if I was going to use an LY word, for a long time, I liked to do things cleverly. You know, I liked to solve problems. I, you know, uh, a value for me is to be able to, to solve, to know answers, to, you know, to, to have knowledge. And it worked well, I thought, within the kind of work that I was doing, which was very much technical. It was like finding complex seeing complex problems and finding solutions and finding ways through them and, and to be clever with them. The shift for me is rather than doing something cleverly, particularly with the work we're doing, is to do something compassionately. And and on one hand, you say there there's some intrinsic values. I think they are and sometimes they're hidden. Yeah, They're things that we haven't seen and there are other values that we have or we use or we believe they're ours, but they don't necessarily, they're not really ours. And that's so such that's, a good point. That's what yeah. I was thinking in terms of this shift. Yeah. It's like some fall and others rise, but yeah. for a lot of the time, some just cover the other ones because that's what we believe. That's yeah. who we are, what we need, and how we need to operate. And that's one of the really important things about values is that they are intrinsic. Society puts a lot of pressure on us to have certain values. Mm. And so they have a subtle effect of making us think, oh, kindness should be my values because people are always going on about kindness nowadays and I keep seeing it <laughs> or, or being compassionate. It should, I should, that should Authenticity be my value. needs to be authentic. <laughs> it's always a popular one. <laughs> Authenticity should be my value. I'll pretend to be authentic. Um, so 
really thinking about if, if nobody else was watching you, you're on a des- desert island or something and you could act in however, however way you want and, you, and nobody would be looking up upon you and judging you, what, how would you still act in that situation? What would still make you feel alive and feel connected and feel that, no, I want to behave in this way, even if nobody else was watching you? And thinking in that way can be helpful or, or thinking, imagine I had a magic wand and money was not an issue and all your fears drifted away. What would be the things that you'd still want to do which would feel meaningful for you? And it's really worth really reflecting deeply on that and finding the intrinsic value because of then, the, then the motivation will be there. If you find a value that looks good or feels good, but you're not 100% aligned with it, then when, you, when the situation comes... Uh, and, you, and you're faced with a challenge and you're not, it's not easy. There's all these difficulties and difficult emotions coming up. And you're running out of money and, and, and other stuff. Then that motivation, that strong inner motivation will start to dissipate. When was the last time you felt like a kid? When you felt like you didn't have any responsibilities or obligations? When you felt free to just be? to explore, to adventure. It's probably been a long time. And if that's the case, then you need to join us at our Happy Startup Summer Camp. It's a festival, a conference, a retreat, a weekend of camping, and at some level, none of these things. Because ultimately it's an opportunity to just gather and be with 150 people just like you. People who are looking to bring more joy, happiness, purpose and meaning into their lives and their work. People who want to spend time in nature having fun, learning about themselves, learning about business and connecting with inspirational everyday people who are normally hidden in plain sight. If you're looking for something new to do, something comfortably out of your comfort zone, then join us in the southeast of England from Friday the 16th to Sunday the 18th of September. To find out more and to apply to join us, visit happystartupsummer.camp. That's all one word. Happystartupsummer.camp. See you there. I like, you know, when you came up with this, what you're talking now is things are starting to get difficult. It feels like you're not moving forward the way you want to move forward or you're not making the progress that you wanted to make. And this is, from my experience, where judgment, self-judgment starts to become a real, real challenge uh, or one of the things that drags you back. There's not knowing the answer. And then there's criticizing yourself for not knowing the answer. Yeah. And how that has a compounding effect on finding a way forward. Coming back to this idea of self-compassion, and you wanted to talk at it from this lens of ACT, maybe sharing a bit about what ACT is, for people who don't know what it is and what mm-hmm. that means, and then we can start thinking about from that place, what, how can we work with those ideas to then find solutions that might, not be, might be hidden from us because yeah. they're, they're drowned out by self-criticism. So the reason why mindfulness has become very popular in the West is because of research that started in the 1970s by a guy called John Kabat-Zinn and, and, and Thich Nhat Hanh before him as well brought mindfulness to the West. But also in the early 80s, another very high quality uh, research was taking place by a guy called Dr. Stephen Hayes in the US. And he was a psychologist. 
he ended up becoming the originator of this thing called ACT. And he suffered from huge amounts of panic attacks, actually, that started small and become, became bigger and bigger. And he used all the psychology techniques that were recommended and had evidence at the time. And he found through personal experience, they just really didn't work to the point that he almost lost his mind in it. And he'd luckily had some experience of some mindful retreat or something. And, and he became the observer of his thoughts and feelings rather than trying to change the content of them. And when he had this, could call it a spiritual experience, he decided to do a lot of very high quality research to find out what exactly happened and why did it happen? He didn't even publish anything for almost 10 years because they really wanted to find the underlying elements that lead, led to his transformation and his clients and everyone. And uh, they came up with this concept which is an awesome way of describing it, is psychological flexibility. Now, what really surprises me is how very few people know about this because the standard of research is amazing and it's even recommended. Yeah. Now, if you go to the World Health Organization's website and you, and you download the free ebook on stress, it's all based on ACT, actually. And just to give you a, se a sense of how powerful the psychological flexibility he says in, in, in one of his latest books, and Dr. Stephen Hayes is considered one of the top 100 psychologists of all time, and he's still alive. So it includes all the psychologists that are alive and dead. He's published over 100 books. He's very well respected in the field. And he says, over the last 35 years, my colleagues and I have studied a small set of skills. These are the six skills I'll share that say more about how human lives will unfold than any other single set of mental and behavioral processes previously known to science. Not an exaggeration. In over a thousand studies, we found these skills help determine why some people thrive after life challenges and some don't, why some people experience many positive emotions and others very few. They predict who is going to develop a mental health problem such as anxiety, depression, trauma, substance abuse, how severe it will be, how long lasting it will be. These skills predict who will be effective at work, who will have healthy relationships, who will succeed in dieting and exercise, who will rise to the challenge of physical disease how people will do an athletic competition, how they will perform in many other areas of human endeavour. Amazing, amazing the claims there, but it's claims based on very hundreds and hundreds of researchers over decades and decades. And that's why it's used on places like the National Health Service. And these set of skills, very simply, you can call it psychological flexibility, and it's not something that you'd probably find that surprising. It's obviously, these sound like they make sense. But because they've tested each of these six skills separately and pulled some out and pulled them in and, and thoroughly tested them, they've found out a whole bunch of techniques you can use. Some of them take 10 or 20 seconds, which will help improve your psychological flexibility, which will lead to all this, all this improvement in resilience and self-compassion. And so what it's all about is about exactly what we've been talking about. It's about how we live a meaningful life, not a, a feeling good life, but a meaning, a rich and meaningful life, which will make space for feeling good more often as well. Okay. But it teaches you how to be clear about those values and live a meaningful life. And at the same time, deal with all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come along the way, because that's the real challenge. You're doing something and then you get these really difficult feelings of anxiety or sadness or shame, or you mentioned the self-criticism. That's the challenge. How do we navigate through that? and keep our focus on these L-Y words. How can we continue to act lovingly when we've got this opposite voice in our head? And so psych psychological flexibility is the one concept. If you want to make it a little bit more, 
break it down a little bit more, you can break it down into three before we do the six. It makes it easier. And you can call it just be present, open up. So open up to our thoughts and feelings and do what matters. So if you want to just take a simple concept away from what we're sharing today, learn to be in the here and now a bit more, which could be as simple as just taking a deep breath every now and then, you know, noticing the, the, the colors in the sky every now and then, going for a mindful walk. One, one great way to be present, which is very easy, is just to do any activity at half the normal speed, even if it's for 30 seconds or a minute. I tried it earlier when I was typing and I, I was just typing at a, a slower speed, just tried it for a minute. You just start to notice your bodily sensations. You start to notice the actual touch of the fingers on the keyboard. And you just get make this little contact in the present moment. So be present, open up, and do what matters. And they're the, they're the three. And then I can break it down into six as well. And I'll, I'll very quickly say I've created this acronym, ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'll talk about the how to deal with self-critical thoughts. I can go that into that in a bit more detail. A is acceptance or sense of openness, and we, we mentioned about that. C stands for cognitive diffusion. It's an, a complex way of saying unhooking from your thoughts. So I'll, I'll teach some techniques in a second about how do you unhook from these self-critical thoughts, because when you believe them, they can be so overwhelming. T, transcendent self, which is how do you learn to see things from a different perspective? And that's powerfully linked to self-compassion. I stands for being in the moment, and I gave an example of that. O is opening your heart to your values. I, li I like that way of saying it because it, that's, that feels really intrinsic, doesn't it? Like, hey, what's your values? What's your meaning? Opening your heart. It's not something that you do. One, you could do one of these online tests and it may give you some ideas about it, or you could do some long analytical thing for it, but it's actually, does it really feel like it's aligned with your heart, like this meaning and purpose? And finally, N is for navigating with meaningful actions. So how do you turn those meaningful actions into habits so that even on the days when you don't really think about it, you've got habits in place that will be in line. And I'm just thinking, just come to mind, a business habit, like you guys do this Friday fireside quite often on Fridays, quite regularly. And I'm sure it's linked to, you know, you like connecting with people, you like cultivating community. So you're doing an action which has become like a habit, like a business habit, which is linked to uh, something meaningful for your startup. So just going into, I'll just dive into the second one, the cognitive diffusion unhooking. Now, if we've got a self-critical thought, one that I've had for a while, I'm not good enough, for example. And that may come up, you, you're doing something and, and it goes wrong. It doesn't go like you wanted it. And, and the thought keeps coming. I'm not good enough, not good enough. Now, the positive thinking crew would say, oh, you just need to keep saying that I am good enough and look in the mirror and, and look really confident and think about all the little, little certificates that you picked up in the last 20 years, starting with your swim, swimming certificate or something up and going upwards. But if you see someone walking down the street constantly saying, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, <laughs> you realise, hang on a minute, why do they keep saying that? It's coming out of the idea that they feel not good enough and it's almost like you're putting something on top. And the opposites get connected. So if you're constantly trying to say to yourself, I am good enough because I've done this, I've done that. It's coming, the roots of it is coming out of the, I'm not good enough. And so they get linked. So when you're saying I'm good enough, this actually reminding you of the thought that I'm not good enough. So that they've found that through the studies that it doesn't really work for most people. It may do sometimes and these affirmations and things may work sometimes, but they, they've found quite often for when people are not feeling great, it actually makes people feel worse. So what's the solution? Well, there's a whole, there's hundreds of exercises that I could share with you, but some one simple one straight away is that 
you just say to yourself, okay, you've got this sentence, I'm not good enough. You just say to yourself, I notice I'm having the thought, I'm not good enough. Just, just say that before it. I notice I'm having the thought, I'm not good enough. Or whatever your self-critical thought is. I notice I'm having the thought, I've totally screwed up. Whatever it is. And first of all, you're starting to be courageous. You're consciously having that thought, which is in the back of your head, that self-critical thought. And uh, you're creating some space between you and that, that self-critical thought. A bit more of a weird one, which we could uh, quickly do, which also cultivates unhooking or <laughs> cognitive diffusion. And you, you could try this at, at home or hopefully you're not in the car when you're doing this. But you just have the thought, I can't move my arms. I can't move my arms. And you keep thinking that, you know, so your head is saying something negative. I can't move my arms. I can't move my arms. And you actually move your arms around. So you say, I can't move my arms. I can't move my arms. And you move your arms around. And what they, they've done exercises, you just do it for 10 or 20 seconds. And they found that increased uh, resilience and abil for ability for people to tolerate things like pain. They did it with ice. They get people to hold ice to see how long. One group, they had to keep saying, I can do it, I can do it. And they could hold the ice for, say, 30 seconds. The other group, they taught them this technique of, I can't move my arms, I can't move my arms, while they move their arms about. And so suddenly they realized, okay, just because I have a negative thought doesn't mean I can't do the action. Mm. And they found they could hold that they had the resilience to hold the ice for longer. And that was just a little example of how these unusual techniques can actually help us to stop our mind being our dictator and so and create some space between you and that self-critical thought. So that and that space gives you the freedom to continue doing what's meaningful for you. You can go back to that meaning stuff. What sprang to mind with the arm movement thing. Yeah. It's a, as I said, you're this is you're acknowledging that you have a thought, but it isn't necessarily real. It's teaching yourself that you, your mind does not decide what you do. You decide what you get to do rather than your mind. Because we cannot control what thoughts are going to pop into our head. We can have the most negative thought at any point. You could have uh, difficult thoughts. Same with feelings as well. We have much less control over them than we think. But when you start doing these exercises, like I can't move my arms and you move your arms around, you teach your mind that, hang on a minute, I could have one thought, but I could still do something else. It's called disobeying on purpose. It's used for like, let's say you're scared of stepping out of your house or going up an escalator. They, they use this technique and your mind says, I can't go up that escalator. That's too scary. And then you still do it. When you do that, it feels really empowering. It feels, it boosts your confidence and you realize, hang on a minute, just because my mind says I can't talk to that person or I can't do a startup or I can't do this. That's just a thought. That doesn't mean that it has to happen. So that's what it's teaching. It's, it's creating a, a diffusion. So Diffusion, as in two pieces of metal fused together, you and your mind. Diffusion, it's, it's unhooking from that, so mm. it gives you the space. Because there's an interesting aspect here, this difference between your mind and your thoughts. Because I think, on one hand, is like, what is the difference? You know, I, I would, if I'd asked my kids, like, you know, what's the difference between your mind and your thoughts? They'd just say, they're the same thing. You know, you think, and that's your mind. So are you able to diffuse those two ideas Yeah. in terms of what does that mean to have a mind and to have thoughts that are separate? Yeah, I would say the difference between you and your mind, that's the way I'd put it, so the sense Ooh. of you. But yeah, you could put it, put your mind and your thoughts. But the classic example that we do is don't think of a flying pink elephant for the next 30 seconds, simple exercise, and we could have silence for 30 seconds, and you'll find either people think about it or they don't think about it, and then they think about it a lot.
And so there's this thing of I, we identify, we easily identify with our thoughts. So like you said, okay, uh, I'm a failure or I'm not good enough or I can't move hmm. my arms. They turn into behaviors. So they have this yeah. thought comes up. And if we we're hooked. Immediately act, we, if we're hooked, we immediately act on those thoughts. Exactly. They sentence us. The sentence gives us, let's say if you just happen to have a thought, you're useless and that comes up a lot in you. Uh, and you try to stop it, but it keeps coming up. If you think of that as an absolute fact, then you'll sit in the corner and you'll feel useless, you'll act useless. But if you think, oh, it's just the thought, thank you, mind, for sharing I'm useless and I'll carry on being useful in my life. So you take the idea is that you take the thoughts with you. You don't think of them as a big deal. They're just like sounds or pictures in our head and you carry on doing whatever you need to do. The question I have here next is, do your thoughts control you? Because I'm wondering with this diffusion, Part of that is is that idea of not being controlled by your thoughts. Yeah, it's about it's about having a greater clarity about what your values, what's meaningful for you, what you want to do, and when your thoughts saying I can't do this anymore or, or I can't continue anymore, having the awareness like ah oh, that's a thought. Thank you, mind. I notice I'm having the thought I can't do this anymore. I'll write it on a piece of paper and I'll put it in my pocket. Or I'll do some other of the many cognitive diffusion exercises. And you know what? I'm still going to act in a, in a loving way in this situation, even though my mind is saying I can't. And I, and I love what you said in terms of that, that, uh, that practice of you're on your own and the thought comes into your head and you acknowledge it and, and you don't necessarily run with it. And given the kind of work that you're doing now, it's because you're, you're building a community. How much benefit is there of trying to cultivate these practices alone versus being in a group? Well, I think what I love about communities and, and, and doing courses and learning together is that there, it's, it's so enriching, isn't it? I may share something or an idea and, and you start to have a conversation and it just sinks a little bit deeper. And then just today, some someone in our community, she shared, she happens to be on a beach somewhere. She's been very nervous about sharing meditation. She shared it in a group and 10 people came, turned up and people gave donations and had the most amazing experience. And then people read that story and then they start getting inspired. Oh yeah, I want to teach mindfulness too. And if, if she can do it and she's overcome her fears, maybe I can too. So the community element can help us. And ACT doesn't work on an individual level. It can also work on a community level. So you can have psychologically flexible community or a company or an organization or a country or the world. So it's, it, it doesn't just work on the individual level. It can, it's a flexible in, and it can be integrated with all sorts of other coaching approaches and positive psychology and other things. You can bring it in however you want mm. in a flexible way. You didn't ask, can someone else control your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> but I like what Shamit said about your mind being your dictator and, and disobeying it. So it's a great way of thinking about, well, I think most people who start they want to work for themselves, want to be the boss, and they want to be, they want to have freedom or autonomy, and, and then they start their own business and they find out actually that it's a great lesson in self knowledge, isn't it? Because you're trapped with your own thoughts and you have loads of freedom and loads of autonomy, and actually that's often really scary because then you're faced with your worst fears of, okay, now I get to decide, like you said, how I show up each day, who I work with, how I work, what days I work what projects I work on. So I think there's a lot of time for self-reflection. So I, yeah, that whole idea of entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey. I think it's true because I think it's great to have the certainty of a job and salary and a boss telling you what to do. But when you have loads of freedom, I think that comes with challenges too. Just like yeah. any relationship, like a relationship with the business, it brings up the challenges as well, isn't it? And so it gives you, 
it, I love that how you say it, it's like a spiritual journey. It's a learning opportunity, learning about mm. yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and how you can navigate them. That's a really, I never thought of it like that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I quite like, quite like the way Lawrence set that up in terms of you, you want to be your own boss. So you may say, say, for instance, you leave your job or you change shift and you, you shift the way you work so that you can be more in control of your destiny, which then means all responsibility is on you. <laughs> and then actually who is in control when you're talking about the thoughts and, and mm. who's choosing, you know, a lot of us will have a thought of like, oh, I'm not good enough. And so we won't do the thing that we need to do. So actually you said you wanted to do that thing, but now a thought's come in that's stopping you from doing that thing. And there's no one else to blame, but what's in here. So there's a really fascinating kind of thing. All right. I want to be my own boss, but who is the boss? Yeah. <laughs> and this journey of deciding or understanding how you, you work with that. There's, uh, there's the critical voices, isn't there? Whether That's where I was going to go on to. Okay. Exactly. It's like, then there's the judgment about what is the right decision. You know, mm. when you are given the privilege to decide, you know, what to do next, then how do you re work out what is the right one and what is the wrong one? And actually, is that question the problem? Mm. And, that, and what is creating the pressure? That's, that's bringing to mind a post I read about the difference between decisions and choices. <laughs> I can't remember which one, which one uh, is which. But one of them is about, you know, for simple decisions which involve logic, you can make a list of pros and cons and that can help you to decide stuff. But for the bigger decisions, let's say if you're shifting from one job to another or one relationship, whether you want to pursue a relationship or, or whatever it may be, for these really more important decisions... Don't bother going through all the pros and cons and mm -hmm. let it be more of a heart-based decision. Go with your intuition. And that makes a much better choice because there's so many things involved. And ultimately, is it aligned with your heart, with what's really meaningful for you? And you also often hear about entrepreneurs that are successful going quite often with their gut feeling but for maybe mm -hmm. the bigger decisions. And maybe for the smaller, more logic ones, then they, they need to do that kind of pros and cons approach. And one funny technique that, that I sometimes use is that if I just can't decide... Just toss a coin, heads I go left and tails I go right. And then you see what you get. And then if it, if it let's say heads and it says heads go right and oh no, I have to go right. That means actually you want to go left. <laughs> and then just remembering that ultimately there's no right or wrong decision. You know, you, you, you're not too sure in that particular situation. You go with your intuition or you go with what you think's right. And then you deal with it and you make that choice. And then you use all your act skills or mindful skills or whatever skills you have. And each, whatever the next thing that happens will be a learning opportunity and, and another opportunity to make another choice or decision. And maybe whatever decision you made was the one that was meant to be anyway. So not getting too uh, caught up in the must make that perfect choice because there is no perfect choice. Whatever you make is the right choice. To round up, is there anything, the last thing that you would like to say to people, whether they're running businesses or they're doing the business, family, personal life thing, trying to work, how to do all of that well? Yeah, just a couple of little habits come to mind because ultimately we end up going back to what our habits are. And one nice one to remember, uh, or nice moment is when you get out of bed in the morning and your feet touch the floor. That's a nice anchor and that's a nice moment to do a habit. And since we've been talking about meaning and purpose, you could say to yourself, you know, today I'm going to live my day meaningfully or kindly or joyfully. And setting that intention right at the beginning of the day is actually a lot more powerful than you realize. And maybe just having a little stretch or something at that moment and just taking your time to really think that thought. 
So, and you can actually just practice two or three times on the side of your bed, and that will help to remind you to do that. Just touch your feet on the floor two or three times and just say that sentence, and it'll start to embed it. Maybe say it with a smile in the morning because that releases some positive chemicals in your system, and it's more likely that you that it will get wired in your brain. It's like a mini celebration. And also, as your head touches the pillow、uh, at night time, you can just think of one thing that you're grateful for because lots of things may be going wrong and you're frustrated, but there'll be a few things there that's gone right as well.、Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Another, it's another nice anchor as your head touches the pillow. Thinking of one or count your blessings at that moment is is a beautiful practice of self compassion, I think as well. Well, it feels like a lovely opening and closing ritual for the day, doesn't it? Because I think those those things feel easy to remember for me, so I really like that. Rather than trying to find more time in the day to practice self-compassion, which at the moment is going to be hard, isn't it? If anyone listening to this would like to find out more about this specific part of your work, is there anywhere that we could point them to? Yeah, for for the act stuff, it's my name dot com, shamashaladian dot com forward slash act. And I've got YouTube videos on it, so there's free YouTube videos you could watch as well. And there's a newsletter there where I share something about act、uh, every week as well.、Uh, I liked how you introduced this very simple, tiny habit, particularly given there's all these other things that we need to do or feel that we need to do to be able to have、mm. something that's small and easy that can grow. I think that's really helpful and、I'll, something that I'd like to try and practice myself. So really appreciate. The yeah, also the the action.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally, normally called action. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify,、uh, and SoundCloud, or wherever you found this podcast episode. And if you like to learn more about. Creating a new path for your work and business, a path that feels more meaningful, more purposeful, and more aligned to who you really are. Then sign up to our newsletter on our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and you'll receive little nuggets of wisdom, stories of experienced entrepreneurs following this more purposeful path, and also a little bit of a wittering from myself and Lawrence, another. Useful bits of information and content to keep you inspired, keep you engaged, and keep you happy. <laughs>